This is now going to be According to Callus, and it is a free-for-all Friday. Why must you ask? Why must you ask? Yes, well, that is because I really have no plan. <laughs> it's later than I expected. The uh, day did not go as I expected it, but it was fun nonetheless. Had good business day, good other business day. And let me just say, the future is wide open. Yes. And while we're on the future, you should never say never, right? Oh, wait, that's a James Bond movie. Oh, never mind. Hey, listen. I uh, got to say, I'm wrapping up the week. I got five episodes uh, done this week. I'm feeling pretty good about that. Uh, not without wearing myself out a little bit, so probably be short tonight try and get some sleep uh, gonna go work tomorrow and we'll start it all over again on monday so points to ponder tonight they had a rally not one but two rallies against forced medical procedures yes there was one up in the mckinney off of 380 on by raytheon another one was out i want to say it was in princeton in either case I want you guys to know, I support that 100%. You should not be able to force somebody to partake in a medical procedure against their will. Now, you can argue and say that this is in your best interest. You can argue and say that, you know, you're putting yourself at greater risk. That may all be true. But, we don't force people to do things against their will. Notwithstanding some court case from, you know, 100 years ago where the SCOTUS issued an opinion that you could do it, but that same SCOTUS also was perfectly okay with exporting people of Japanese descent and putting them in internment camps. That same SCOTUS is okay with murdering fetuses, oh, I'm sorry, unborn babies. So you're just going to have to let that one go, right? We know better. We can do better. We are better than that. This is Texas. And we should be leading. And while we're talking about Texas, I hear tell that there's going to be a special announcement from none other than Daniel Miller coming up here very shortly. Hmm, I wonder what that might be about. Hmm, maybe, just maybe, I'm going to get my wish fulfilled. Lieutenant Dan will not have just one, but two candidates seeking to send him to the retirement home. Oh, if only I could bank on that. In other news, the latest redistricting out of Cowan County looks positive. Yes, positive. Now I know what you're all thinking, but hey, this is one of those few times where I will say, we got to trust the people that are there, know what they're doing. At the end of the day, they want to keep their seats as much as we want to keep them conservative or red or constitutional, whatever definition you want to use. And they may not be our favorite people, but they're still our people. So there's going to have to be just a little bit of trust given to these guys. You know, if you're unhappy with your state rep or your state senator, I have always said you need to primary them. If they do a poor job, they need to be primary. You know, they may still win, 
but they're going to do a better job the next time around. And I got to say, looking at the way things are shaping up, we're going to have an interesting cycle here in Collin County. But let's wait and see, because they still haven't finished redistricting, and there's probably still a few more changes in play. Yes. And what would be the point of a free-for-all Friday if you couldn't throw a few more jabs in? Well, yes. So for those of you wondering out there, it is very likely that we're going to get some people that we're not really thrilled about that are going to run as Republicans. And if you consider yourself a Republican or a conservative or Christian or constitutionalist like I would consider myself it's our job to make sure that the best candidate goes to Austin to represent us the whole point of hiring or electing these representatives is to send them to represent us they don't work for the governor they don't work for the county chair they don't work for the Speaker of the House. They don't work for Lieutenant Dan. They work for us. Now, we all know sometimes they got to be team players and sometimes they got to do things that aren't ideal. We accept that. That's politics. It can be a dirty business from time to time. But every other year, we get to remind the state reps who they work for. And if you're going to sit and complain about them, if you're going to whine and moan about a subpar job, you got to find somebody willing to run. And when that person runs, rather than run your mouth, you need to back them. You need to support them. You need to put your money where your mouth is. The old adage of put up or shut up comes into play. It's not over. The redistricting's not over. And there's a lot of people waiting to see what's going to happen. But the most important thing is, is we need to have the best person representing each house district. Now that's going to be, in some cases, in the eyes of the beholder. The electorate is, the electric, (laughs) electorate is going to speak. It is our job to convince them That the most constitutional, the most liberty-loving, the most effective individual, whoever it may be, and get that person across the finish line. Wouldn't it be something if there were actually a plethora of candidates in multiple races giving us good options going forward? That's what I pray for at night. I don't know what everybody else prays for, but I pray for good leadership, strong leadership, and for direction. Now, I refuse to write off anybody or anything. I refuse to let Texas just sail off into the blue. I refuse to let Texas go to the dustpan of history. We're nowhere near that, and people need to quit acting like that's the case. Yes, we got a bunch of people in from California. Yes, we got a bunch of people in from the Northeast. Yes, we got a bunch of people from south of the border. But but let me tell you something. The people that flee those other states and come here, they need to be educated. Now, I wish we had a waiting period before we let these people vote here, but we don't. 
But we need to educate them. We need to show them why Texas is better and leave all that garbage behind. Now, the folks that generally come from south of the border here, the vast majority, they just want to provide a better life for their family. I don't see them as a huge threat to society. That doesn't mean there aren't a percentage of them that come across that aren't a problem. But the vast majority, they just want to go to work. They want to look after their families. They want a better life. And it's really hard to be upset about that. Particularly when they're, quote, doing the jobs that other people don't want to do. And I always kind of thought that was a fallacy, right? I was heard when I was a kid, well, you're not going to go pick your own lettuce. Okay, fine. But we have machines that do that. And, you know, in my childhood... I knew people that worked in the fields as farmers. I mean, and I moved down here and I've met plenty of people that talk about, well, when I was a kid, we had to go pick out cotton in the field. I mean, and these are white guys, just so we're clear. So I'm at a loss as to saying or accepting that there was normal for people not to do these menial jobs. But nowadays, nowadays you can't even find, hmm, Young middle class people that are willing to get their hands dirty for more than about fifty thousand dollars a year, and oh, if I have to, you know, if I have to sweat, well, <laughs> I mean, this is just an unrealistic expectation. We have set ourselves up for this. Why should we be surprised when people are willing to come here and do this work and do it for a fair wage? And actually, for where most of these folks come from, this is really good money. It's the market at work. The market's not perfect. The market has gaps. The the market continuously changes and adapts when it's allowed to. And, you know, a, a progressive and a socialist would say, well, we don't have a free market system. You know what? You're absolutely right. The reason we don't have a free market system is because you all put these rules in the place. You all put these requirements in place. You all created all these barriers to entry and these obstacles to progress. Hmm, but I thought you were progressive. How does that work? In any case, you put all these things in place to prevent people from being able to do better. Now, we live in a very posh society. We have a lot of high expectations. We we desire things without having to really work for them. That can't go on forever. And I referenced a podcast by Brian McClanahan, and he postulates that if we would just focus on doing a lot more of these things here locally, we could fix a lot of these problems. Indeed, even a gentleman that I've had the opportunity to meet more than once, running for lieutenant governor as well, Aaron Sorrells, said that in a response that yeah, this isn't going to fix everything. I mean, because you can't possibly do everything locally. And he's right. You can't possibly do everything locally. But if you have certain sections of Texas that are exceedingly skilled at doing certain things, like I imagine most of West Texas is probably pretty good about raising cattle. I'm going to guess a good section of West Texas is probably pretty good at producing oil. I'm going to also guess that there are sections of, you know, Southeast Texas that are good at producing rice or oil or, you know, some other thing, energy production re- related or shipping, right? I'm going to also p- 
postulate that parts of North Texas are good at growing sorts of grains or corn, not necessarily for consumption, but for cattle feed. So we have all these different areas in Texas that we can produce all these different things, not to mention just the standard crops and whatever else. But let me ask you, do you think do we make our own silicone chips anymore? I mean, TI is still there. The monster that used to be TI is now kind of a little bit smaller and been supplanted in many areas by something called the Raytheon. But these defense contractors, they want the absolute cheapest product they can get. And, you know, if you can save a couple pennies on a million pieces of product by getting it from somewhere else, you're going to go somewhere else. And they put out the local suppliers. They feel no loyalty to anything and i get it if you're a multinational corporation that's worth billions and billions of dollars your only goal is to make more money but let me ask you something at a certain point do you have a diminishing return at a certain point is it not counterproductive this is one of the things that even as a free market guy i wonder if we're always working to drive down costs that we cease to actually produce anything, can we have a functioning market, if you will, in a specific area that doesn't actually produce anything? Now they know they, they, they pivoted to service, right? We're, you know, But you can only have so many people doing things for someone else. But if nobody's producing anything, there's no actual creation of wealth. There's no actual product that is being exchanged with somebody else at a certain point there is nothing left and i wonder if we haven't done this to ourselves in the quest to help others which is noble in the in the quest to manipulate things and others which is not noble or if it all is based on the almighty dollar and i and i know that a good chunk of it the good chunk of the motivation is that you could save just a little bit more money. I mean, obviously, if you can um, go to a foreign country and pay them, mm, say, 3% of what you'd pay a, a worker in the United States anywhere, and then you have the shipping that's involved in it, but even after the shipping, it's 2 or 3% cheaper. I mean, the company's better off. Those people over in that foreign country, they're better off because that 2% wage that they were making compared to us might be a 50% raise from wherever they're at. So, I mean, they're in a better situation. And at least on in theory and on paper, we're better because now that same widget that we would normally purchase, instead of being $7, is maybe $6 or maybe six fifty. So it's still marginally cheaper and we benefit. But at a certain point, when there's nobody left that's actually producing anything here, where are those jobs going to be to have people create income? Ah, and therein lies the rub. So if you look at what can you do locally, what do we excel at locally? And maybe we exchange a certain percentage of what we produce with somebody else and, you know, this kind of rebuild or redesign our own market economy to be locally based. Not to be confused with the monstrosity that is build back better because there ain't nothing better about the way they're going to build it back. But the concept is... If we reorg and reconsider, maybe even, quote, reimagine, and I mean this in a positive sense, not what they do to all of our old movies and books and stories, but if we reimagine the way things were 
150 years ago or 300 years ago in the in the essence of it that most of these areas were small compact interconnected and interdependent um, within their own little city or town but also with the one that was 20 miles down the road or maybe one that was 100 miles down the road but not so far that they couldn't exist without them but that they were both better off because of it and they didn't cannibalize their own production to save a few cents but they specialized and they expanded what they were able to do and do well to where everybody benefited again back to the whole idea of markets marketing right when you then inject government regulations and taxes and um, different other concerns and worries and minimum payments and minimum costs and all this other stuff it twists things it changes things and the market no longer functions the way it should and again like i said from the onset the market is not perfect the the market is a trailing um function right only when you know that you need something will the market react to provide it or produce that whatever it may be but let me assure you, government is not going to do it. And they certainly aren't going to do a better job of it and be more efficient at it. Or quite frankly, even strive to do a good job at it. Because there's zero feedback on government institutions and what they do. With the exception of maybe when politics gets involved. Which brings us back to the first point. We have an opportunity to choose those people that work for us and represent us down in Austin. So we have to be very careful. We have to spend more than 30 seconds and determine who is the best person to go represent us. Whether it's a state rep or a state senator, we need to have some level of confidence that the person we've picked has similar values, similar concerns, and is going to do what we ask them to do and is going to support what it is our concerns are when facing down the governor, when facing down the Speaker of the House, when facing down the other party, when facing down Lieutenant Dan, when facing down the feds. People always need to be reminded that Texas is a sovereign state. And while Texas may not be an independent republic at this moment, we still are an independent sovereign state. We delegated certain authorities to the federal government, not everything. And we need to remind them, these are your responsibilities. These are the things that we demand of you. Nothing else. And oh, by the way, if you can't do these bare minimum things that you're actually been delegated to do and do well, border defense, we're going to do it for you. And maybe just maybe we're going to withhold some of that payment that we send you because we're going to have to offset that cost being that you're failing to do your job and monitoring the border we're going to do it and we're going to pay those guys and we're going to take it out of the money we would send you and honestly because we're the state of texas we can do that and we're going to just tell you to pound sand oh and by the way your federal agents that come here and interfere and um, 
basically trample the rights of our citizens. Yeah, that's not going to go on anymore either because we'll have a bilateral agreement with Oklahoma where that border is going to be and what land belongs to private owners and which land is going to belong to the individual states and the BLM can just stay on out of it. They have no authority to determine that because, oh, wait a minute, we didn't delegate it to you. We are two sovereign states, Oklahoma and Texas, and we're adults here and we can come up with a beneficial solution to the both of us and we don't need your meddling around. Now, I know what you're thinking. Stephen, that's never going to happen. Stephen, these politicians, they're not going to do that. They're not going to put anything into this. They're not going to put any effort into this. They don't care about us. Well, you're right. A good number of them don't. But I can tell you, there are three candidates running to replace Greg Abbott. Greg Abbott doesn't do the job. Greg Abbott, I guess, as well as being pusillanimous, is a poser. He likes the job. He likes the authority. He just doesn't want to actually do it. As a governor of a sovereign state, it is his duty and authority to protect his citizens and tell tyrannical government to back off. But instead, not only does he allow them to be a tyrannical government, he himself has exercised tyrannical powers. And I know they're going to say, well, he was given permission to do this. And, you know, there's all these stupid laws that were, I'm sorry, they're not stupid, but I think they're stupid. All these laws that were created that we gave this permission to the executive branch for emergencies. Yes, but again, separations of powers cannot be ignored because they are constitutionally defined. And the Constitution determines which branch has what power. And they can't just hand it over to the other because it's convenient. Indeed, this last year, the entire Texas House... And the Texas Senate was largely quiet. I don't know that there was more than one or two members that actually said, call us the session. Bring us in and let us do our job, Governor. You have exceeded the authority granted to you. You are violating the Constitution. They didn't. They were silent. Now, I know ours have their governor up there, so they don't want to go after Governor R. But I am sorry. Even the D's were quiet, most of them. This isn't even a guy on their team, and they just didn't do anything. And you got to ask yourself, why is that? Well, the answer is because they know when their guy gets in that office, which is going to happen at some point in the future. God help us when it does, but it will. It's inevitable. At some point, the Democrats are going to win a statewide race, and they're going to have these powers. And you can take it to the bank that they aren't going to obey law. They're going to ignore the Constitution. They don't give a rip. They want the power and they know how to use it and abuse it. Not that I should advocate that the Republicans should do the same thing. Because you do have the evil party and you have the stupid party. And, well, I belong to the stupid party. And why do I say that? Because there are so many things we could and should be doing, but we refuse to do it. We focus on... The minor things that may or may not fix something as opposed to dealing with the major issues of the day because we're afraid. When I say we're, I mean Republicans. And when I say Republicans, 
I mean the Republicans that are down in Austin. We don't have to deal with that problem in Cowlick County. Not at the county level government. And a good number of our statewide elected officials are actually quite good. But boy, when it gets to that executive branch and legislative branch, the leadership there is just lacking. We have resident Joe in the White House, who has no business being there, in my humble opinion. But he is. And he's just violating and ignoring the constitutional constraints on his office and the executive branch. And our governor is largely silent. Our state legislature, well, a good chunk of them went up to go visit in D.C. to lobby for laws that would violate the Constitution. Yet they didn't face any penalty. They're not locked up. But some people that were at a protest that got a little out of hand, oh, they're still in lock up. They can't get to their lawyers and, you know, basically being abused. But, hey, that's okay because we still live in America, the freest land in the world. There's a higher portion of its population incarcerated than any other country on the planet. We've even passed up China, if I remember correctly. Now, if I've got it wrong, if China actually has us beat, ooh, big deal. We're number two with the highest percentage of incarceration per person. Land of the free, home of the brave. Yeah. I want you to think about that. We passed the Patriot Act without knowing what was involved with it. And now we live with those consequences every day. They passed the NDAA. And who knows what's all in there. But hey, don't worry. We're just going to worry about disarming veterans. Hey, don't worry. We're just going to learn how to draft women. Hey, don't worry. We're just going to do this. Hey, don't worry. We're going to just do this. They were supposed to authorize funds for national defense and they've piled all this other garbage in there and then the weak knee republicans just go along with it they go along to get along and then they try and sell us well it was better than it was you know and there was more good than bad no 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 a thousand times no if you're not going to stand on principle you're not standing at all i would rather go down in flames standing on principle each and every time it goes to a vote, then to cave in and give away my children and grandchildren's future. Now, we've had a couple of examples of that in Texas. I may have referenced the great Dr. Ron Paul on more than one occasion, but he is that man that led by example. He was an unassuming champion of liberty every time he gave the chance. And he was called Dr. No because he voted no on everything and anything that violated the Constitution. And that's a bare minimum we should be asking for as a Republican. The only other guy that I would go out on the limb to say created as much havoc by voting no on as many things as possible, it seems, would be Jonathan Stickland. Now, he's retired now, but he ain't gone away. And I'm very interested to see what he gets involved in next. And he just may be supporting a guy running for governor. Uh, You'd have to look into that yourself. 
But I'm just saying, we have so many good opportunities. This is now we lead liberty. We make our stand on protecting freedom. And that means we have to be willing and I'm going to, this is a reoccurring theme on this show and I'm going to keep saying it until I go blue in the face and keel over dead. If you're not willing to protect your neighbor's liberty, then nobody's going to protect yours. You have to be willing to defend your neighbor's liberty so somebody will defend yours. And bring it all the way back down here to McKinney. Last year, we had a one individual determined to shut down the city. Now, I understand. Maybe he had complete loving motivations in it, but he had neither the authority nor the right to do that. Yet he got away with it, and nobody did anything to stop him. Nobody with a position of authority stood up to him, Nobody said no until the county got involved and then the state got involved and basically said, well, we're going to see your mandate and we're going to just expand it statewide. And you know what? The governor was wrong too. Now, I'm not suggesting that these guys are criminal and need to be locked up, but what I am suggesting is they need to be retired. When you abuse power... You don't need to have power anymore. It needs to be taken away from you. Well, I've gone quite a bit longer than I imagined. It is a free-for-all Friday, so, you know, I just kind of went all over the place. I hope it was somewhat enjoyable. No plans, and here we go. In either case, I will see you on the other side.